Here's a thought. I wonder if you've ever considered how you might make your marriage more fun. This is the Loving Well Podcast. I'm John Fuller, and today, some ideas on how you as a couple can have more fun in your marriage. My husband and I love to do things outside, so uh, we'll go for hikes, um, go for walks. We really enjoy watching movies, so just kind of plopping on the sofa, making some popcorn, and just hanging out together and watching a movie. Something fun my wife and I like to do is uh, find other couples and do double dates. And um, the last time we did some uh, go-karting, which was really fun. Welcome again to the Loving Well podcast from Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller in the studio with Dr. Greg Smalley and his wife, Erin Smalley. We're talking about fun uh, as a couple, and uh, you two are some of the funnest people I know. I mean, you seriously, you really do a lot together. You work a lot together. You laugh a lot together, it seems, as well. It's definitely fun is a core value within our own marriage, and we do give that a lot of attention. It's not that we don't have serious conversations or deal with problems. We just really enjoy one another, and we've had to work hard at at doing that over the years. You've had to work hard at enjoying each other? Is that what you're saying? (laughs) I'm gonna, it, it, it does see. sound sort of strange <laughs> yes, to I'm put it that way. What does that mean exactly? Yeah, so, <laughs> I, give me an example of something that you love to do together. Well, let me first say that that what I meant by that <laughs> is that man, life is fast. There's a lot going on. We're busy. We have four children. We both work. You name it. There's so much going on. In in the fun part, you have to work. It including that within your marriage. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's always just going to happen by accident as everything else seems to just happen and come our way. So that's what I mean by it's it's an intentional thing that that we do. Yeah, and it's so true that as we get busy and, you know, year after year we kind of get, you know, uh, just used to each other and it can become overwhelming or you can even become bored within your relationship. And this is just such an easy way to re-infuse your relationship with fun and excitement and trying some new things together. So, But again, it's being intentional amidst the busyness. Well, we want to help you be more intentional and, and plow through that busyness so you get to a point where you're having enjoyable, meaningful times together, whether that's structured or not. And uh, what we're going to do now is turn a corner to a conversation that Greg and Aaron had with Jim Daly and me on a recent Focus on the Family broadcast. One of the things that we want to help sort of uh, reshape is even your definition of a date. See, I think too often couples get caught up in this date night is supposed to be this formal thing that we put on our calendar and we have to go do that. That is one way to look at it. Tell you the other way that we've been really looking at this over the past year because we, we've been doing the date night challenge for now two years that focus on the family. Which is a program where you really encourage this. Yeah, we've done this with, you know, I think over the last two years we've averaged about a thousand churches who've participated in this. And for us, the big thing is that we also look now for opportunities that will occur every day. Well, and we're talking about that simplicity. In fact, we have a Facebook comment. I think it gets to it because uh, this couple found a very simple way to do a date night. My husband and I have eight children, and date nights seemed impossible without at least one baby in tow. I mean, how can you afford a babysitter for so many kids? 
Well, one day, our oldest son, he was about um, 11 at the time, wanted us to go out so he could show us that he could handle his siblings. Well, we decided to let him try. So after feeding the kids and settling them down with a movie and snacks, we packed peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and coffee and got into our minivan and drove away. Two blocks down, we pulled onto a dead-end road. We prayed for our kids' safety. We ate our peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, drank our coffee. Then my husband turned on the radio, came around to open my door, and asked me to dance. We danced on a dirt road at sunset with dragonflies buzzing all around. It was the best date ever, even though the whole date lasted a whole 15 minutes. When we returned home, our son looked up, and he was so proud, and he said, See, I told you I could handle it. Hey, Greg and Aaron, that's exactly what you're talking about, something that simple. Uh, we tend to make it too complex. That's one obstacle that couples have. What are some other obstacles when it comes to date night? You know, definitely one of the challenges that we're all busy and so we stop investing in that time or even that oftentimes people believe that almost like there's cruise control there's autopilot for the relationship like we can be married hit the button and just send our relationship down the road and it's going to be fine but we stop kind of investing in the benefit of a date night is that it keeps you from having that autopilot mentality a date night that really it forces you to proactively invest in your relationship because now we're we're making the time you know to, if it's formal you know you've you're hiring the babysitter you're figuring out where you want to go and all that is saying to the relationship that that we matter we matter enough to carve out time in this very very busy schedule so that just it one it sends a message that that you matter in that we matter and that there is no cruise control in our relationship that's a powerful message to send well and not only to each other but also to your kids you know to say that mom and dad need this time together and we prioritize marriage and it's teaching them you know to honor marriage mm. we as a matter of fact it was great watching and i had no idea that our kids picked up on this important message and remember, this was a couple years ago our we were trying to leave and so we we had our date night. It was our formal date night. And our youngest daughter, Annie, who's probably four at the time, she didn't want you to leave. No, she did not want me to leave. So she had the full on body cling on, <laughs> on the leg. I mean, yes. And I mean, she's strong. Makes Don't you walk like away. Frankenstein. Yes. <laughs> I mean, strong. And so she literally is hanging on my legs, body clung, and I'm trying to get out the door. And I'm thinking... You know, this isn't this going is, so well. No, it is why this is the get-go. So this is wiping her out. And so I'm thinking, I've got to do something. And before I could intervene, our son, Garrison, who was about 10 at the time, he jumps in. And he said, he gets down. It was great. Kind of whispers right on Annie's level and says, Annie, Annie, hey. He goes, it's okay. You can let go of mom. You can unwrap your limbs from around her leg. He goes, it's okay. We need to let them go out. And so I, I'm just going, what? And he goes, really? He goes, this is how they keep their marriage strong. Honestly, a 10-year-old oh. said that. And so I'm thinking, oh, man, this is so perfect. And it was great. Annie goes, really? She goes, well, what, what do they do on their date night? And he went, you know, actually, I have no idea, but I think it ends in kissing. <laughs> At least that's my what dad is hoping He's for. He's a smart boy. You hear the boy, honey. So we need to and finish it is a, strong. It is a good way to model that for your kids and to build up the institution of marriage. You're teaching your kids in that moment. Aaron, let me ask you, though, as a woman, and I'm just thinking as best as I can as Jean's husband, <laughs> um, so often the distractions 
occur. And, you know, Gene can be really practical and there's a lot to get done. And, you know, man, I've got so much stuff to take care of around the house and I've got, you know, homework stuff I got to take a look at. And, uh, you know what, let's just do it another night. That can be a typical pattern as well. Because she's multitasking. Because she's trying to multitask. And, you know what, Uh, this is something we're doing good. We're fine. We're healthy. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, why don't uh, let me get this list done, my task list done. Mm -hmm. What's the danger in that? You know, I can so relate to that because (laughs) welcome to my world. There's always something, but knowing that investing in this relationship is going to make all the difference, not only for our marriage, but for our family, it is really going to provide that connection that we need as a couple so we can give to our kids that they can see that this relationship is a priority. I mean, research is really strong that when couples have one date night per week, their level of happiness, their relationship satisfaction, their communication, and their sexual satisfaction is three and a half times higher than those who aren't regularly dating. Mm-hmm. And so, <laughs> that's okay, guys. Did you hear that? Three hundred and fifty percent higher. Higher. There you go. Wow. Just it, by doing something as simple as a date night. That's the beauty of it. It doesn't have to be these grand moments. It can be very Mm -hmm. simple opportunities that we take. Let's uh, go back to some of the obstacles, because I think for Gene and I, that would be it. I mean, where are we tripping up? And I like what you're saying. I want to do it. But constantly these things keep popping up. Uh, Couples with young children, uh, you know, I think it's easier and less expensive when you have teens. You don't have to pay for a babysitter. But let's listen to a Facebook post that we voiced over from a woman that is really in that kind of time crunch. Uh, Leslie, let's take a listen to what she had to say. Yeah, my husband and I, we have a five-week-old, and it just seems like it's really hard to still date while caring for a baby. I just feel too tired to want to do anything. That is really typical. Mm, too tired. I mean, yeah. especially when you have young children. If you have one or two under five, maybe three under five, um, that can be a very demanding season in your life. And it, you might say they're just excuses, but I can remember both Gene and I being exhausted because it's tough. And it's demanding. What do you do? Yeah, it is tough. I remember those days as well. And it's not just you're exhausted, but then it's trusting a five-week-old with someone else. I mean, as a mom, that's hard to hand them over. And you don't know, are they going to meet their needs? Are they going to, you know, do it the way I do it or the way he does it? Especially with your firstborn. Yes. Yeah, but it is critical even in that time to get out and stay connected. Okay, how would you do that? I mean, hopefully if you have grandparents nearby, that's safe, hopefully. Uh, but what about a couple that doesn't have grandparents yeah. nearby? What do you do? You know, what we have helped out many friends who are younger and they have babies. You know, they know that we've raised kids and hopefully we can do the job while they're out for two hours. You know, so look to maybe an older couple that... Someone in the church community yes, or your and, friendships. And, you know, even, even the church, you know, a lot of churches, I know when we had just moved, we didn't really know anyone, but this church offered parents night out. And it was our opportunity to get out That's once a, a month. That's a great ministry. Really, it is. It really was. We we knew no one, and we needed a date night. It, it, I mean, think about it as an empty nest couple. Well, you, you want to change marriage? Simply start by by picking out some younger couples who are in that first early season with their baby, 
or children and just give them that as a gift. We had that in our marriage. In an older couple who kids were out of the home would come over and take Taylor when I was in graduate school in California. And Aaron and I would go to to this place to eat a hamburger. We'd split a hamburger and play Ms. Pac-Man. And that was our that was our fun date. You're touching on but you're touching on another Another aspect that makes date night a challenge, and that is the financial aspect. A lot of young couples, they're tight financially. They, they may not be able to afford a babysitter if they don't have resources around them, people around them that can help. How do you, how do you tackle the financial strain of a date night? You know, something we did early on is that we would find someone who was in the same season of life as we were, and we would swap kids. So time swap. Yeah, time swap. And it really, it worked out well because they knew they were in the same season. They were often on the same schedule and, you know, it just worked out well and we just traded. Mm -hmm. You know, there's so many clever creative ideas online in the book that we wrote on the date night challenge that there's all kinds of ideas on how to do this virtually with no money. Tell you what, the point is this, it is okay to redefine dating within each season of your life. So as Aaron and I get a little bit older and our kids are more independent, we have older kids who can babysit, maybe a date night for us is a, a dinner and a movie. Maybe we have more resources. It's okay younger in that season where you hardly have the time, you can't seem to get away with, you've got the babies, you have no money. You've got to redefine what a date night means. Maybe watch a favorite show together and just laugh and play or have a movie at home or or just sit down and, you know, turn the fireplace on and have a fire and just talk or whatever. Define it however it needs to look. Be intentional, though, and say for this season, dating may need to look like this. So now that's how we're going to frame it and see it. So thus, when we're doing it that way, then we know that now we're investing time. You reap all the same benefits. That's just a portion of a Focus on the Family broadcast in which Greg and Aaron Smalley are talking to Jim Daly about dates and the importance of keeping the communication lines open. And um, we have some resources for you that'll help you do that better. One will be the Take the Date Night Challenge. That's excerpted from the Date Night Challenge book. There's also a little book of great dates. You know, there's just some great ideas in this book. And there's, you know, kind of a little summary of it and then an activity that you can choose. And then there's there's even questions that you can ask each other after the date has occurred. So, you know, for example, one of them is on shared interests and really developing common interests with each other and keeping your friendship alive. And part of being a friend is that you share things that you both like. And so the activity example is going finding a new cuisine and going and trying that together you know, like Indian food or sushi or something, you know, something new that you both can try together. And and both can like or dislike or mixed reaction. Yeah, uh, and that's to, what right? you get to talk about yeah. afterward, you know, and you get to share about your hobbies and your com- your interests and, you know, discovering are these shared interests. What we are talking about is the little book of great dates. And the one I want to do is recreate your first date, mm. which was uh, a very nice uh, Italian dinner that ended up uh, with some fun. So I'll, I'm going to just leave it at that and tell our listeners that they can get a copy of Little Book of Great Dates when they make a generous donation of any amount to Focus on the Family. We'll send this to you. Uh, just stop by focusonthefamily.com slash lovingwell. All right, we're going to turn to a conversation now that Ted Cunningham and Jim Daly had about how having fun together can strengthen your marriage. 
Let me ask you from the get-go, you are a fun guy by nature. So for you, this is, I think, pretty natural. Uh, how do us guys that maybe aren't naturally fun, uh, how do we find a fun bone in our body? Yeah, I, I, I related with the average part. I am pretty average. <laughs> yeah, I do. And, and think I, think, so. I think we always think about fun as we got to schedule the date night, which we can talk about. We have to get an annual abandon. We have to do all of that. But I just try to find simple ways every day to make Amy Cunningham laugh. And the first thing I do almost every morning, maybe not every morning, but several times a week, I model whatever I've chosen to wear that day for her. <laughs> and I try to pick new poses. And it only takes 10, 15 seconds. So for the average okay. guy who says, I don't write jokes, I don't write you know, humorous stories, I can't, I can't deliver one-liners you know, that work, you know, there's plenty you can do to bring that humor, that laughter, that fun, that play into your marriage in very simple, practical, and dare I say, quick ways. Now, I mean, Amy, after all these years, she still gets a chuckle out of that? I have to get creative. <laughs> yeah, so I, what, I have to really thumb through, just you know. Describe what, yeah. uh, what, what you might be doing here. I'm not well, sure the Well, no, let's not do that. that. Yeah, let's not do well, that. appropriately. Appropriately. But she'll say as I come out, you know, in the morning, because I have like, like a lot of guys, I have like four or five outfits I love, right? And I wear them, you know often and so I have to find creative ways of posing, walking, and I'll do a New York style runway walk through the house just so she can get get a laugh. And you know what? It works every single time. And if it doesn't, you just gotta get more creative, you gotta reach deeper okay. and you gotta just go for it. I've got to find a different way to do that. <laughs> oh, no. See, I'm, I'm looking not at you right material. now. I'm not going, oh, I'm, I'm going. I think it'd be fun to it. see you strut around like that. Uh, let's keep moving. <laughs> uh, let me ask you this, though. That idea of laughter is so linked to intimacy, but we don't, I think, realize it the way we should. A couple that's been married 5, 7, 10, 20 years, if you're losing that ability to laugh together, you're really missing something, aren't you? You are, and I was inspired the most by this idea from Dr. Swindoll when I was at Dallas. <laughs> yeah, because I never would have thought, people actually have, have taken the time to write him letters saying, you need to use less humor in your sermons. Uh, yeah. Until he said, you know, but once I received a letter from a lady that said, please keep the humor coming on your broadcast because it's the only laughter that finds its way into our home. Wow. There's a vacuum of laughter in our homes today that we don't take the time. And I'm not saying watch a two-hour comedy movie. I'm just the ability to pause, not take yourself so seriously, be able to laugh at yourself a little bit, be able to cut loose. And this can take minutes a day. I'm not talking about investing the whole day in it, but to be intentional with it. It's actually part of our family constitution in the Cunningham home. We must laugh together every single day. Let mm. me ask you that question because those two letters could come from the same household. Mm. The husband is oh. saying, hey, Dr. Swindoll, don't use humor in your sermon. And the wife's saying, please, please, because it's the only laughter we ever get. Mm. I think it's a problem within the broader Christian community that somehow piousness is uh, seen as uh, not laughing, not enjoying ourselves. That's not the picture I have of the Lord. I mean, when, when he was with us and walked with us, those bits of scripture that we have that uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were criticizing him because he seemed to be having a good time. He was laughing with mm -hmm. people and they didn't like it either. But the Lord and being made in his image, I think humor is his image. I think the Lord has a good sense of humor. I wanna hear his belly laugh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, and think about this. Almost 
every marriage ministry sermon that I've heard through the years has some sort of take on this message. God gave you your spouse to beat you down and to drain the life out of you so you can be more like Jesus. Mm. We've actually taken that. And I'm good friends with Gary Thomas, and we've had great conversations about this lately because, you know, the whole holiness versus happiness conversation. And we're on the same page with this because we believe and know that the Lord has given us a spouse to have companionship with. But we've turned the primary purpose of marriage into sanctification so long as we're growing more like Jesus, that's the direction we need to go. But to have fun, to cut loose, to just enjoy one another, and that be the sole purpose, there's a lot of followers of Christ that have a very difficult time grasping that. Well, and I'll confess it. I've used that line often about, you know, one of the issues in marriage is it rubs off your selfish edges. I do think marriage does that, but you don't have to not have humor in that process. I mean, you can do both, right? Yeah, and this is the key. This is what I challenge pastors with. Let's not lead out with the message, marriage is hard. Why are we projecting that it's so hard? Is it because in the end, uh, we're too selfish? Well, that and I think combined with the brokenness. There's so much brokenness that we see around us. We've fallen for this confirmation bias to believe that that is the way of every marriage. And to be honest with you, as a pastor, I don't have couples that come into my office saying, we're doing okay. We just would like you to help us get more creative on date night. I don't have those Mm -hmm. counseling appointments. I have the, we're done. We're done. We're walking out. This is it. We told our family we're coming to meet with you. And one of the main reasons people want to meet with a pastor is so they can go tell their family, we tried everything. Mm -hmm. Okay. So they're going in with the attitude is check this off the list. Let's just check this off the list. And I think what happens, especially when you hear sermon after sermon on marriage today, and it leads out with the marriage is hard first bullet point, it's because that's just what pastors are responding to. They're responding to the brokenness that they're dealing with all day long, all week long. And they're like, okay, every marriage is like this. Mm And so now most of our marriage ministries today are focused on that crisis and recovery aspect, which is very important to have in your church. But we're talking today kind of you have the premarital side, and then at the other end you have crisis and recovery. We're kind of talking about that middle group of followers of Christ who say, you know what, we're married, we're committed, we're going to be together until either one of us lays the other in the arms of Jesus or the Lord returns. But we know we're maybe at a five, six, or seven. We, We could go up you know, a few runs. Does it, are you really trying to shift the paradigm? I mean, that we go in thinking, grind, grind, oh, it's tough, it's tough. Get us to use different words. I mean, one of the things that is frustrating as I watch it, it, we're Christians. We believe the book. We believe the end, that we're going to be with Jesus in heaven for eternity. Yet we live sometimes like we don't understand that revelation at all. There is no joy in our lives. It's a paradigm shift for us to wake up with a smile on our face every day. As believers in Christ, we should be there because we have been given this incredible insight and this gift of eternal life. It should revolutionize the way we live, yet we live in many ways like the world lives. Why? If our primary message is, and what we've heard our life in church growing up is marriage is hard, we now process every part of our marriage through that marriage is hard paradigm. So I'll give you a great example because every, you know, marriage speaker, preacher, author talks about the differences of men and women. And we try to bring that, but that differences gets caught up in the marriage is hard message. Mm -hmm. 
And what Amy and I have done is we've taken the, the list of all of our differences and the things that just frustrate the daylights out of each other, uh, that we can frustrate one another. Uh, we wrote all those down, and, and then <laughs> kind of we, made, we made the decision, okay, we're going to find the fun on each one of these bulleted items. Mm-hmm. We're going to find the fun. And so, yeah, that was a tough one, and that's when we really started to do this fun-loving-you list idea. It's when we started to write down... Because then that just gives us all freedom. And we came up with roughly 20, 25 things that irritate things each that other. Irritate each other. <laughs> I'm going to do that. It's a fun thing to do. It, it really is. And there's that moment of pain where you have to kind of work through it. But we put our fun loving you list in the book. And if you read them right, you'll see where the frustration was. And we just have a ball with this. And again, because of the mentoring that I've received from Gary Smalley, I keep that list close because the goal is when you begin to experience the frustration again, you pull that list out and you remind yourself, nope, I've made the decision that this is valuable. Mm -hmm. I've made the decision. We're going to have fun with this. And this is one way we have fun with it. And and Ted, I'm thinking it's probably not a good idea for me to go home and give Dina a list of things <laughs> that she no, does. No, go ahead. Do that. I want to I see what you do tomorrow. But how do you practically, I mean, give us an example of how you take what frustrates you in the relationship and turn it into something fun. Because it could become, I would think, easy to make fun of that person for it. Yeah. Oh, and, oh no, no, no. Yeah. And that is not the goal of this at all. What I do, like, for example, my wife, she's the most passionate woman I know. She's got more passion in her little pinky than I have in my whole body, her whole family combined. Whether it's exercise, vacation planning, everything is intense, right? Very intense. And so we'll, she, you know, I'll come home from a bad day at work and go, you know, it's kind of a rough day. And she'll go, well, fine, let's quit. Move to Africa, be full-time missionaries. I'll be like, hey, let's back it down a notch. It was really like a bad two hours at the end. And we have fun with that because she knows I'm appreciating that about her now. I'm not frustrated. I, I love this passion. When we go on walks as a family, I look at them more like nature walks. If we see a turtle, we're going to stop and look at the turtle. But she's like, no, let's keep going, right? we got to keep moving. We've committed to this, right, because we're getting exercise. We're not looking at animals. We don't even watch movies the same way. This used to frustrate us. She, she, watching movies for Amy means reading a magazine and surfing Pinterest. But that puts the burden on me to watch mm-hmm. the movie for mm-hmm. both of us. So something will happen, and she'll be like, what just happened? And I'm like, I mean, that just like drives me crazy because I have to stop and explain to her what happens. But what happens now on the Fun Loving You list, I appreciate that you think I'm an expert at everything. Because she does. When we're watching a movie and something happens, she'll go, what just happened? I go, well, there was an explosion on the space station. Yeah, and a piece of metal broke off, hit the space shuttle. Now they're stuck in outer space, and she's like, well, what are they going to do? Well, I don't know. I'm not an astronaut. I've, I have no, But I bet. If we watch the rest of this movie, we're going to figure out how to fix a space shuttle the next time we should need that. We just, I mean, from every area of life where we are different, we come in now and appreciate We'll be driving down the road and she'll go look at a construction site and will ask me, what's going on over there? I don't know, but here's how we have fun with it. I make it up. <laughs> I make it up. Well, I told him to rip out, rip out that highway. I want six lanes instead of four. And then I'll talk about construction sites. That's how we have fun with it instead of just living in this frustration that most couples choose to have fun with. I so agree with what Ted is advocating for. Fun in a marriage, it it, it creates connection, but but there's something so powerful. I think someone once said that that laughter is the shortest distance between two people. And that's what I've experienced when, when Aaron is being playful, when she's joking, playfully teasing me, I, it, it, it draws me to her. 
I, I lean in. I, I want to mm-hmm. be around that versus, you know, the reality of managing four kids and work and, and all that. It makes us have to have business meetings so often. Yeah. And if that's necessary and I see the value of it, but we, we our marriage can't exist off of business meetings and just doing life. We, we've got to be intentional with our fun time. And it's, well, but it, it you can be spontaneously fun as well. You know, just sharing stories of funny things that have happened or, you know, reminiscing about funny things that happened when you first got married or with the kids. And it's just, it's just a great way to connect because you realize you know what, that's what we went through, and we can laugh about it, but really, ultimately, we can see, look at how far we've come. Mm-hmm. 25 years later, look at how far we've come. And, you know, it's just a, it's just a fun way to connect. Yeah, I want to I underscore what Aaron just said, because I, I, I think what she just said is absolutely the secret that we stumbled upon on really creating fun. We get that a lot. Like, okay, you talk about fun. We're, we're not fun people. We're not funny, like a jokester like you guys are, how do we really do this? And mm. tell you, I think one of the best things we've ever done is that that about once a week, we have an, a, a Word document that we just update. I just did this this morning. And what we do is that we just think, of, we think about the past week and we just write down a sentence. This happened. That happened. Anything that's interesting, funny. And, and then in, in that list for us right now, is close to 700 little one-liners mm. because what we do is we bring that list out and we'll print that thing out. It's like 50, 20 pages <laughs> and, and we have it when we're eating and, and you can just, everybody kind of scans through and goes, oh yeah, hey, remember when? Uh, mm-hmm. That is such a powerful thing and we laugh and oh, I forgot about that. That was so funny. That, yeah. Those are the kinds of stories so that remember you the fun. forget. Yeah. yeah, and even you know, calling Greg in the middle of the day when something funny happens yeah. to me, communicating it and you know, sharing that moment with your spouse, mm-hmm. it infuses your relationship with laughter. Well, we are here to help you love well. That's our podcast title and uh, the website is focusonthefamily.com/lovingwell. Uh, that's where you're going to find the resources we've mentioned in this episode, the Take the Date Night Challenge download, and when you make a generous contribution of any amount to Focus on the Family, we'll send a copy of this little book of great dates, which has super ideas in it, and uh, you'll be able to pick something out of here and use it right away. I guarantee that. Uh, get the little book of great dates when you donate at focusonthefamily.com slash lovingwell. You know, I think when people hear about donating and feel inspired to do that, which we are so grateful for. It's easy to go, to what actually happens to my money? I tell you, when you make a donation to Focus, one of the things that, that we are so thrilled about is we have a marriage-intensive program called Hope Restored. And these are couples who are on the brink of divorce, they're struggling, and we're able to give great scholarships to couples who might not ordinarily be able to afford this. The couples who go through that, what we found is about 84% of those couples are still together. I mean, that's that's huge. So know that your donation is being used to help strengthen and save marriages. Yeah, so please donate today. Again, it's focusonthefamily.com slash lovingwell. And um, next time you're at iTunes or wherever you get your podcast, please give us a review and be sure to share the link on your social feeds. Next time, we're going to hear from Dr. Cliff and Joyce Penner about how to build passion and intimacy in your marriage. If the woman pranced around, it would 
be a positive for him. If he prances around, it isn't particularly positive <laughs> for her. <laughs> That's next time on the Loving Well podcast. And for now, I'm John Fuller. Thanks for listening.